0: It's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. That's Chris over there. Hello. I'm Rick. Um, We are going to talk about the guitars from the Ken Burns uh, documentary Country. And we we realize it's not as timely as we wanted it to be, uh, because we both watched it and got through with it a while back, a little while back. And we wanted to do an episode uh, in more close proximity to the time that we stopped watching it, but... Yeah, t- just logistically it didn't work, but we—it's something we wanted to talk about. because It was so cool to see all these really cool guitars and the way guitars featured prominently in this documentary, right, Chris?
1: That's absolutely right. <laughs> it, it was a, a feast for the eyes oh and my ears. God. Yeah, and totally. anyone that's a fan of American guitar history,
0: oh yeah, yeah, it was there. It was. It was there. It was Martin, old Martins, old Gibsons, some Fenders thrown in for good measure,
1: um, acoustics as well. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, let's start with probably because we just talked about it a little bit. Um, like the star of the guitars of Kim Burns' country documentary has yeah. got to be Mabel Carter's L five. That's one of Bingo. them. Bingo. That's. I mean, that was the one that was just great to see so much of and yep. to hear so much from. Because for me, whenever I think of the Carter family, she revolutionized <laughs> the guitar in so many ways. She did, and. I always, when I think of a Maybell Carter lick or I'm trying to, if I'm robbing one, I always hear that tubby L5 sound, yeah. that kind of like just unmistakable. Anytime I pick up an old, like, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, like old Epiphone or any old, you know, archtop guitar, it has that bit of tub in it. And yeah. it just I it harkens back to um, the guitar of Maybell Carter. I love it. So let's start with that guitar. Yeah, and, and I'm the
0: same way. And I, you and I both agreed as we were talking about this show and, and just seeing the Carter family and seeing her. Like, I'm the same way. When I hear the Carter family or hear those kind of guitars, I just think about the picture in my mind of those posed pictures of the Carter family. And there's Maybell with that frickin' cool L5 in her lap and those finger picks and stuff. And, um, yeah, it made a huge impression on me. And... It's just such a cool looking guitar too. It's a beautiful guitar. It's hand carved top and back maple and and it's just such a beautiful instrument. And um, you and I were just talking too about the thing I loved about it is when they when the Carter family started to make a little dough, you know, uh, AP bought a motorcycle and Sarah bought a fur and then uh, Maybell. Upgraded her guitar. She got an axe. Yeah, <laughs> she got a better axe.
1: Yeah, and we were wondering, was that when she got the yeah. L five? I didn't have a chance to go. I can't to remember. See, maybe but, somebody um, can chime in out there. That, but... I don't know what she was playing before yeah. that. But that it stands to reason that that was like the first big money she had coming in. That she, I'm getting that exactly. So maybe that's the one she got. And
0: I just love that mentality, right? That's right up our alley, right? If we got an extra, you know, back then it's like, yeah. oh shit, let's go to the guitar store, man. Let's get right a, let's get a better. But guitar you don't have store. a house, <laughs> exactly. That's okay. <laughs> You're still living in dirt floors. Well, hey, I a better guitar
1: uh, yeah a a new guitar
0: (laughs) yeah so i think for me that guitar is and again i guess i think it's iconic just because the carter family is like ground zero for country music and so that
1: that, just about not only country music we're just about you know modern totally guitar playing from you know that point forward which i wanted to talk about too i mean we can go on and on about that guitar which is great but the, the interesting thing about maybell carter is like, many people, myself included, who had never even heard of her, you know, until yeah. you know, later in my life, I didn't really know anything about her. Yep. But once I started getting into the Carter family, I'm like, holy shit, so much of what I do came from her. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's for all of us. What we all do. It's that, like, you know, playing a chord and kind of adding some little bass melody and stuff to that, and you know, yeah. between chords and whatnot. It's like, you can thank her for that. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty much... Like, started that shit, which was super cool to see and hear and and to know that people do realize that. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, and all all the, you know, big guitar guys that came along afterwards totally tip the hat to Maybell Carter. Chet Atkins, uh, from Chet to... um, who's the young cat the um god I didn't always I'm blocking on it um Vince Gill John Mayer John Mayer <laughs> No Vince Gill like oh, all yeah. these all these really great guitar player guy guitar players all just tipped the hat to Mae Bill Carter and rightfully so cuz she she her style was so uh but idiosyncratic but cool and melodic and groundbreaking and every, groundbreaking and much, so yeah every
1: bit as much as like merle travis totally. or chet atkins or anybody yep. i mean it was she yep. just brought something yeah that didn't exist before and yeah. she threw it out there for I everybody else yeah so and thank dug you, it. Mabel.
0: totally and people dug it and they respected it and they, they gave her props which i totally dug yeah
1: I mean, we could talk about the Carter family for, like, I know, right? entire episode. So maybe we'll... What you know, else about branch the Carter? It, it was a big segment. I mean, it was a it huge segment. It was a se- huge segment, and rightfully so,
0: because, like you said, that's ground zero for so much, you know? Right. But um, from a guitar perspective, that's what struck with you and I was Maybell's L5 and, and just her style of playing that was so cool. And, and, like you said, spawned a bunch of different styles that, that she is really responsible for uh, that inspiration, you know? right but um guitar wise the thing i just dug as, as any guitar geek uh would is just seeing all those pre-war martins and gibsons and, oh yeah the, you know that were being played by all these artists man and it was just so cool to see um weird things about it though that stuck out to me were like the pick stuff right like you know you could tell that they were trying to protect the top of the guitar but they had so much pit guard plastered on the top of the guitar that it's like, okay, well, how much? You know, yeah, are the, you, the are concept you of the like
1: let the top vibrate yeah. wasn't really a thing. I mean, <laughs> if you think of Elvis Presley's D18, right? Yeah, you know, let's just um, take this beautiful D18 and wrap it in leather so the top <laughs> can't move, but it'll be protected. Yeah, it's No, pretty funny. all those country cats were, you know, were responsible for getting a lot of like a lot of bling in a lot of the American guitar companies yeah. because they're like, you know, you know, you make this really nice top of the line Martin but I want more. Right. It's like Gene Autry, like the first D4 oh, yeah, or D45. Right. like, yeah. Yeah. And I want my name in blocks yeah, on it. Exactly. I want it to show up on TV and you know, all And that shit. became a
0: thing. Yeah, everybody so, had to have their name emblazoned on their fretboards. I, and that
1: was cool to see. One of the things that I thought was super cool is, you know, if you're watching it and the, the story is really fascinating, but if you kind of have in the back of your mind the American guitar manufacturing industry, you know, when it gets to different sections, you can see who popped up. Like, you know, when they get to Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. There's Fender's been here, you yeah. know, and you start to see Fender amps and guitars yep. show up. And because he was way, Leo Fender was super into Western swing. Yeah. And to see all that rare footage and the, like, sure enough, prominently featured telecasters, I And, love you know, it. guitar amps, deluxes, and whatnot, he was definitely weaseling that stuff in. Like, recently, I, I think we both read that book that talked about guitar manufacturers. I don't mm, remember what yeah. it was called. I don't but either. It paralleled this for me a, a lot. I mean, like Bigsby yep. and you know all that shit. You can just see these like crazy inventors stuff start popping up yeah. in all these these video segments, and that was really cool. So I think that documentary is every bit as much about you know the history of guitar manufacturing and you know invention as well. Because, oh, totally I mean, represented throughout. But what if we talked about? The Carter Family. What was another super iconic guitar from that that you found yourself like when when, just kind of focusing in on like a specific instrument? Can you think of any? Uh, Well, I I really I can't think of a specific
0: instrument, but I I would have to just say Martin Martin Acoustics seemed to be so prevalent among country artists, right? That big dreadnought, right? That was the guitar that just. It seemed like every country artist had to have one and played one, whether it was a D18, like you say, or a, or a D28, or a, did they, were those around then? Or those oh, a yeah, model like or?
1: Bill Monroe, he had yeah. to have a D28 in yeah, his band, so exactly. he bought one. Exactly. And whoever was his guitar player, he made him play that one. Exactly. And by all accounts, it was a really amazing sounding one, too. That's like, cool. So, that, I mean, all those Bill Monroe records, it's probably yeah. mostly the same guitar. Yeah. So the D28 was huge in bluegrass, and I think in general country, too. That's the yeah. guitar between the D18 and the D28. That's the one that's got more instant gratification, and yeah. more, you know, more bass and more, you know, just like... Oh, they just sounded incredible. So everybody gravitated t- towards those back then. Yeah. And I'm sure in a lot of those, even a lot of those backwoods little towns and hollers, <laughs> there was, um you know, like... Mar, you know martin guitar was the same thing you know it was like scotch tape it's like i'm gonna get a martin guitar exactly. you know, it's like scotch i'm gonna get a guitar exactly.
0: So, exactly i think yeah it came like xerox or something it's like that's oh that's just the guitar right you right. just if you're gonna get a guitar it's a martin
1: sure. everything's a toy that you play with until you get a martin exactly so exactly. i'm sure it was it was that for a lot of those folks but i agree uh you know i was just taking note of all the oh, different it was Martin Martin Martin, Martin some yeah.
0: Gibson some Fender's but yeah. Martin's played prominently. I was going to say now that you said that uh, Bill Monroe's mandolin was oh, yeah. iconic and it's so cool to see the thing I dig too about like musicians and their reverence for instruments is like how much they dig These artists and what they did and their instruments. Like, that's a sacred thing, is that mandolin or a guitar. It's like, to to artists who grew up idolizing these people, and it's true of any genre probably, but in this genre particularly, I think there's such more of a connection, maybe a a familial connection or, you know what I mean? Or a community in this country genre, you know? And so instruments and things like that become so... Iconic and so treasured, and and like oh, that's Bill Monroe's, right? You know, that's his mandolin that he played.
1: You know, yeah, countless I think you no, I and, agree. I think there's a lot of that. I think it's it's throughout, you know, music as a whole thing. But I yeah. Think, yeah, I think it is more. I mean, the way that the reverence of which they talked about the artists and the instruments in there. That's one thing I'll say about the. Um, the series is just like the interviews are fantastic. Oh man! I mean, you just so many. I mean, it's so great to like know that Merle Haggard is fucking as cool as he is. I know. And, you know, you love his music, and fucking Dwight Yoakam. You just yeah. want to hug him sometimes. Yeah. He's like, just fucking everybody was really great, and uh, Marty Stewart had some of the best, like you know, down homey insight that you know of any anything. And we're talking about that musical instrument reverence. He's the one that ended up with Clarence White's Telecaster. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's a whole thing. It becomes more than it's more than just a Telecaster. It's oh. this thing. And Marty Stewart himself has said, you know, countless times he's out and about and he has that guitar and people come up to him. and It's like, oh, my God, that's Clarence White's guitar. And he says, I always let them play it because it's not really mine. Exactly. It belongs, you know, it's just it's surpassed, you know, all, you know, kind of like basis for just being an instrument anymore. Yeah. It's Clarence White's Telecaster. So it's responsible for defining a musical genre and just larger than life. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely see that in in the movie. Cool. I've heard a few disparaging comments about, like, things left out of the thing. And, and I get I that. I totally, you know, I, and I've, I look at each and every one of them and I'm like, oh, I could totally see that. So it's true. But... It's my understanding that Ken Burns doesn't really know shit about country music, so if you take that into account, and you know just how 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 much it's spanned, I think they did a really good job. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see more of certain things, this or that. You know, more Leuven Brothers, I would have right. liked. You know, but they they touched upon it and they did a good job.
0: Yeah, so, and something as as vast as this, you you you're gonna you're not gonna make everybody happy. No. you're just not. But I think I think he did an amazing job at at telling the story of the evolution of country music and and i i just i'm the same way i mean um i've never been a huge country fan i came to it later in life but i i really appreciate it and and the more i understand about it and and, uh research it it's just such an amazing uh community really of of music and musicians and, and and instruments and so yeah, I think he did a great job too. And and again, it's just like for you and I who are guitar players, just seeing all this old footage of this old gear is just like that's that was half the fun for me. Oh yeah. It's just going shit, look at that gear. Look at that like you're saying like those steel guitars or those tweed amps or those tellies or or um, even just the funky guitars, like the Fender Acoustics that they were using, like in the '60s and, and late '60s stuff. and yeah.
1: '70s. Things got crazy. Like, yeah. they started you know, people started branching out and trying more. Yeah, things like Glenn Campbell was a huge oh, wacky guitar oh player. I mean, he played like you know, weird, and weird and... Japanese electrics yeah. that, were, that just looked like they're really fucking <laughs> right. hard to play. Yeah. And, and here he is just. Ripping up on him. Yeah,
0: yeah. I thought that was cool too. I always loved that about Glenn Conville. He played these funky guitars, but he made him sound amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, and there's a let's not forget Trigger, Willie Nelson's. Oh, man,
0: song. totally. That's, that's an iconic a, guitar. Totally. I mean, that's a Martin nylon string guitar that is all over the place
1: and that was amazing you know willie nelson's insight was great i've always loved willie nelson but listen to him talk you just things you take for granted like the song crazy you're like that's a great song it's a classic time of song but you hear him talk about it and how it came to be and it's like and you know just to hear him say that i knew it was a good song it's like yeah fuck yeah exactly but it's just like it's it's amazing and people's perception like you know people like and I and I can totally see this from the time you know here you got Willie Nelson he comes in and he's singing and he's got this like nasally voice and everybody's going I don't know about his voice right. but you listen to it and it's just like a pre-war Martin it just has this character and this totally. like it, it, musicality to it that nobody else in the fucking world has and just to think that there was a time when someone's going I don't know man this guy can't sing exactly it, it's just so funny to see in retrospect well
0: and not only that it's like I you know regardless of a person's voice or anything else, I think even me, like, if I hear a song, I can tell that's a good song. That's a well-written song. Like, if some Joe Schmo came up and played me a song and I go, you know, wow, that's a, there's something there. You know what I mean? There's, uh-huh. I can see potential there. But exactly, just to say, nah, yeah, he's got a nasally voice, take it somewhere else. <laughs> and it. and again, the I loved the validation that he and Waylon Jennings and his kind got when they said, hey, there's something going on down here in Texas, you, you ought to come on down. And they fucking blew it up. You right. know, it's like... You know, they didn't fit into Nashville, and Nashville was on a trend. You know, the whole Nashville sound and all that stuff. Thanks, Chet Adkins. (laughs) Thanks, Chet. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I thought that was so cool. And I'm the same way. I I love Willie Nelson. I love Waylon Jennings. I love that whole Outlaw thing. And again, guitars play prominently in that thing, man. Waylon had that cool uh, telly. In phase in <laughs> a was like He brought
1: the phase shifter to yeah. country music. I don't know if he single handedly did that, but yeah. yeah, for a while, like the, yeah. the late 70s, like, country music had phase shifter Yeah, it. And yeah. Just, the, just around the time that rock music got away from the phase shifter and headed to, headlong towards the chorus spell, right. they, right. they're <laughs> like, we'll, we'll, we'll take this phase. Exactly. Here. We'll use it. So There's a lot of cool country music with the phase shifter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But um, yeah, guitar wise,
0: I just, and again, like I, Charlie Pride is playing a Coronado all wow. things and it's like that is so cool because you know those are notorious for being hard to play and kind of yeah, bolt on neck or semi yeah but um i just dug seeing all those instruments and and again the like you're saying like because you know the nudie suits were hot everybody wanted to, this cool blingy country suit. and and that translated to their guitars too right i had to have my name on my damn fretboard you know that was a big thing and or like you're saying like they pushed you know they pushed um How guitar makers were going to bling out their guitars, like the J45. It's like that thing's insane. All the inlays and all
1: the, it's beautiful, but like, yeah. No, it's cool. But I mean, they were definitely, there was a lot of, like, a lot of the early guitar inventors, manufacturers Uh were were huge country music fans. So there was a lot of direct contact. So a lot of those country stars had, like, input on, you know, how those, you know, the Stratocaster and the Telecaster. Um, came together because yeah. he was like constantly listening to those guys. Like, what do you need? What do you want? Yeah. Well, and even the
0: dreadnought because that the bigger body of that acoustic guitar was t- t- meant to um, mitigate the smaller bodies that wouldn't project as much in a band situation, right? right? So they made the body bigger and made and and sure enough, those dreadnought guitars became the de facto
1: guitar shape because they projected more and they sounded better. The and, banjo killer. The they banjo. Them. Yeah. There you go. Get over the banjo. Yeah. No, it was it was super cool. I mean, I I almost want to watch it again. I know, but I think I'm going to let more time pass. I mean, imagine that series if taking something like that series and focusing on guitars. Oh yeah, you could do that, and that would be super cool too. Yeah, just I mean, and guitar players more because that was you know some people were like a little bit bummed out that some guitar players didn't get as much representation as they thought they should, and I agree. Yeah, but I could see that how it wasn't done in the time constraints. Like James Burton, who was like you know instrumental pun intended <laughs> in modern guitar playing yeah. you know what i mean he's yeah. the one that took the first person that we know of that took the g string off and put a banjo string on there so he could bend strings that's cool he came up with all that i mean he was the basis for all that like you know bendy stringy country yeah. you know twangy chicken picking stuff yeah. and he had a mention but it was very yeah. brief and didn't really talk about him in the context of you know changing the course of guitar music yeah but so you know something that focused deeply on that would be super cool too to, yeah, to I, see.
0: I would really dig that. The cool thing about it is is they feature so many guitars in the pictures and the video in the old footage that you can track kind of the lineage of of how guitars evolved over time, right? Like, you know, Maybell's old L5 and and how, you know, Gibson was evolving as a guitar manufacturer and Martin was evolving as a guitar man, manufacturer, you know, truss rods, all this pre-war Martins versus post-war Martins and all this other stuff. And I just thought it was so cool to see that, like you say, they didn't focus on it because it wasn't—it wasn't a guitar documentary. But right, but those instruments, all those instruments, obviously are integral to the story, right? Because without the instruments, there's no music. But uh, for I just thought it was cool to see the, the evolution of the of those instruments, you know, yeah. over time.
1: And you men- mentioned the pre-war, post-war Martin thing, which is really interesting when you watch this, is because today as guitar players we have access to all this shit and this whole like this reissue programs by all these companies Uh and we're all like focused on like the pre-war martins we're like yeah we got to have that we got to have you know the scallop bracing the forward shifted scallop bracing and all this other shit we gotta have because that's what the old pre-war ones were you know probably 99.9 percent of all the country music that you listen to was made with post-war you know yeah you know a lot of that shit. A lot of the classic, like Martin sounds that you associate from records with the Martin sound is a definitely post-war Martins. Yeah, we can focus about that stuff, but every once in a while you got to say, "Are we focused? Why are we focused about this? Do we just want? Is it the sound that we're looking for? Because I want to get that sound that the great record on the great records, or is it be specs that we're focused on? Right. I got to have those specs because those are the really old ones that right. go for you know two hundred thousand dollars. Have those specifications, so that's what I want. I mean, I'm more the you know I I lean more towards. I want a Martin guitar that sounds like a Martin guitar does on my favorite records from yeah. the, the 60s and 70s and, you know, and earlier. So yeah, that's that was one thing I thought about when watching that. I was like, you know, it was great for me to see it when I did because I was just coming out of or actually still in my glued to my acoustic guitar phase. So I was playing a lot of acoustic guitar and um, just seeing all those just kind of it, was, it hit me just right because my headspace was there that's at cool. the time. And that's something I thought about, too, is like. Because, you know, going on forums and, you know, Martin forums and whatnot, and someone's like, why would you... That's a straight brace. Get the new one. You know, people just obsessing about these things, but if you kind of lay them out, like, rationally, it's like, Uh sure, you know, a guitar with that specs is going to do this. This is what it's going to do. It's going to vibrate more. It's going to give you more of this, but... Is that what you're looking for? Or are you looking for the sound? You know what yeah. I mean, and and then it just comes down to you like that sound better. I'm rambling right now, but um, <laughs> I like it. I think the coffee just kicked in. I so, like, <laughs> but basically. It, I'm saying in a nutshell, it was really fascinating from a guitar player's standpoint.
0: <laughs> it was. And again, I was just starting to flash on the cool, not only the evolution of guitar, but evolution of instruments as they played an an important role in the genre, right? Like banjo was the instrument for so long, right? Yep. And it still was, but it, it, it changed its focus a little bit when the guitar came in and everybody was playing guitar more. And guitar over piano, right? Piano was a cool instrument, but you, you know, the guitar, you could take it with you wherever you went. It was portable and it was... Much more easy to use in a in a situation where you're mobile and you could go places and stuff. So I thought that was cool too to focus on, um, in terms of just the evolution of musical instruments and how which one was the focus at a time, and then it kind of the banjo kind of took a little back seat to the guitar.
1: And that's really interesting. The, when the banjo took a back seat to the guitar, the banjo is kind of responsible for the dreadnought. Because it yeah. was like a banjo player that came to Martin and said, Banjo is falling out of favor, I gotta learn guitar, but I want one that's more scaled like a banjo and I want these specs. And so when they put it together, I think it was through, it wasn't even through Martin, it was through Ditson, a company oh. that they were working with. And so the things that they did that they rolled in from the banjo into this guitar was like, came from the banjo. That's and, and cool. Not, unless I'm remembering wrong, I think that, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It was some banjo oh, cool. dude, I don't know his name, but I just thought of that when you were saying that the banjo was kind of, Shifting back a little bit, and the guitar was coming forward. I uh-huh. think there is a correlation between that shift and the modern dreadnought. Yeah, look it up.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think you're you're right because the the whole thing was also that old older guitars had smaller bodies and and the body shape wasn't conducive to projecting as much as the dreadnought does to, to compete with other instruments in a band, right? In an ensemble, and so they, you know, along like you're saying, you know, I want more volume and I want it to. You know, I want to I want to be able to have my guitar heard in the context of a band. And so but also getting back to bling too, uh, Jimmy Rogers guitar was cool. man. Oh, yeah. That was a cool Martin and it was a smaller body Martin. And he had that thing blinged out. And it's so fun. It's so cool to see, like when people got some money going, they upgraded their guitars. Right. It's like he was he was probably playing a, a old, you know, average model. And then it's like, screw this. I'm going to I'm going to have my name on the fretboard. I'm going to have the bling on it and the inlays and all that stuff
1: when did like you know like the sears and all those catalog companies were making like cheaper guitars they were doing that a long time ago so i don't know which would have been i don't know when silvertone brand name came into that's what you know a lot of these people were playing before they stepped up to a martin guitar yeah and they got a real
0: guitar and and that was cool to see um you know how guitarists that were probably playing a a Not inferior, but well, inferior to some degree, yeah, inferior instruments. Once they got some dough, they started to, you know, upgrade their gear, like, like, Maybell and Jimmy Rogers and all those artists that were playing funky old guitars. I could totally relate. It's like, yeah, I want a better guitar. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: But, like, it's interesting. If you parallel this movie with, like, a documentary on the blues music, it's like, those players just stuck with the cheap shit. Right. It's like, oh, fuck it, I don't have time to yeah, worry exactly. about a guitar. I just want to make music. Right. So you'll see a lot of silver tones and That's you know, a good cheaper. Point. Cheaper guitars were used in that music and it works great. Yeah. That's one thing that those people taught us is that shitty guitars from back then, things that we would think were shitty guitars, actually they have a sound. Yeah. And they have a vibe and they are capable of creating a whole like different tones aside from the, the top echelon guitars That's that a good everybody point. wants. So yeah, I mean, now we're so spoiled that we can do that. We can collect both. Yeah. I want, you know, I want a Martin D45, but I also want a silver tone, you know, two lipstick pickup, you know. <laughs> it's it's just back then I was like you just got what you could get and you used it or you used what you could until you could get a Martin guitar or a Gibson guitar yeah. or whatever. I think anyway.
0: That's a good point. And, and yeah, the, um, and some people probably just that that was my guitar man this is what i play right why would i you know what i mean we talked about that before too it's like some to some people this is just a tool right i don't need you know i don't need bling or anything else this is just a tool in the tool chest and this is what i play it's i'm not gonna why would i upgrade this there's no upgrading it's like this is what i play
1: but if you're a cowboy singing singing guitar player you need one that stands out and looks good on a horse
0: rhinestones inlays, yeah (laughs) <laughs>
1: no. For anybody out there listening who hasn't seen it and even has the, a passing interest yeah. in history of music, it's definitely worth checking out. Oh yeah, how many episodes were there? Oh were there my like gosh, thirteen or something. Yeah, Shit. but I mean, it's so it's
0: so engrossing. I mean, and the episodes are long. Yeah. So we'd start it on a weeknight and we're like, God, you know, we'd think it's going to come to an end. It's nine o'clock and it's like there's another twenty minutes left and we're like, damn. I mean, it was cool because we were engrossed, but it was right. like we got to go to bed. <laughs> But um, another kind of off-topic guitar, but I, I love the nudie suits. I just freaking... Uh, I loved the, the, the blingy suits that all these country people started to wear. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it spilled over into country rock and everything else. And it was just so cool to see that because... And you know what? I started to really appreciate that aspect of show business a little bit more when I saw all these people just like... This is what, you know, this is what it's about. It's like people want to come see... They, they want to be entertained. You know what I mean? It's it's not just some schmucks getting up there. I mean, it can be, but, you know, I appreciated more of the show that they were trying to put on rather than just get up there and play music for people. Because, right. you know, people are paying good money to come see you at the Ryman, and they've they a, a, had a hard day at, in the coal mines, and they want to see some blingy dude up <laughs> mm-hmm. there crooning these right. songs, you know? It's
1: I totally kind of dug
0: that. I, I dug, dug that, that. that, too. And the that Ryman Auditorium just is amazing like i just the i I was just blown away by the whole thing but but that and you know and the fact that in the summertime that thing got just unbearable to be in and stuff I, i i was fascinated by that that this auditorium was was the grail of country music but it just became untenable because it was just such a hellhole for the artists and the
1: patrons of the thing but no, that's dumb. right. And like for many people of our generation, our whole window into so much of it was hee-haw. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, totally. That's like as a kid, right. I, I consciously <laughs> only became aware of country music through hee-haw. and Saturday nights, yeah. I think it was, yeah. it would be on. And I'm like, oh, where are these hillbillies? <laughs> and, she, and then from there, I mean, that's like steeped in the rhyming and all that whole culture oh, and the totally. huge country thing it's just fascinating
0: yeah and that's it's cool that you mentioned that because that was kind of my entree into this genre too but as a kid i played guitar and i loved uh roy clark and buck owens and all those guitar players on that show because they'd be playing guitar and and doing their own badass picking and i'm like damn that's cool and they've got cool gear like I loved Buck Owens because he always had those red, white, and blue. He had the yeah. red, white, and blue Gretsch acoustic, and he had, he had a telly like that and stuff. So, yeah, again for a guitar, a young guitar player, he was awesome because it, it it you know that genre wasn't you know on my radar totally, but that drew me in. Those guitar players drew me into that genre, you know.
1: It drew me in for the instruments but at the same time it repelled me because was, especially when I started listening to rock and roll I'm like this this music this is country bullshit you know but I would watch it yeah. just to see the guitars yeah. and to see the guitar players because yeah. I could appreciate that even though you know I wasn't there I loved going back to like classic you know American guitars and primarily Martins is the, the singer-songwriter portion of the series where you talk about like Chris Chris Christopherson yeah. and Towns Van Zandt and all those, you know, the Troubadour-style guitars, which, you know, again, Martins usually, yep. I mean, possibly a Gibson. Yeah. Um, that was really fascinating to see, and because a lot of those, you know, troubadours, their guitar, they were like a one guitar guy. They oh, would totally. drag it around the fucking country with them, like, and just get all beat up. And just to see that there, and these are the the inspiration for which all these like phenomenal songs came from. Oh yeah, um, that was really cool to see. Chris Christopherson's story is just fascinating. Johnny Cash, I mean, his style of guitar playing, but he is like one of the most amazing human beings who yep. ever lived. And if you needed reminding of that this series will do that totally I mean I guess I always knew but just to see it laid out in front of you in a series like this it's like that man was like from outer space he was ahead of his time and there will never be another
0: nope. Johnny Cash. I totally agree, and I, I had the same uh, vibe when I was watching it too. It's like this is all kind of stuff you knew because we we grew up watching Johnny Cash right. and his show and all this other stuff. He was and on when, Columbo, yeah. He was on Columbo. He was. he was. Well, he was all over the place, <laughs> yeah. right? Because he wasn't. He, was he wasn't. T- he wasn't one of. He was one of those people that truly transcended his genre in mm. any in every way possible. His entire life. Yeah, he was crossover in every way. Right, Mm -hmm. that's what I loved about his show. He had Bob Dylan on his show, Eric Clapton, country artists. You name it, and he's like, "Screw it, this is you know." And I loved the part too where he was going to play a Chris Christopherson song, oh, oh, "Sunday Morning Coming Down," right? And Chris Christopherson was in the audience, and the network is going, "No, you can't say this word," and he's like fuck it, I'm going to do it. The, the songwriter is going to be in the audience. I have to do right, this. Right. Fuck you guys. And, and he not did Not I'm
1: going to do it, I'm going like to lean exactly. into it. Exactly.
0: That's integrity. you know. And again, yeah, time and time again, it just showed us what an amazing dude that was. And I loved watching him play guitar, because I, I do this a lot, too. Like He played his guitar, and when he was strumming it, he'd always strum it over the fretboard for some reason. I don't know why, but I do that a lot, too. I, I just, I don't know why, but I picked up on that, and I dug that about his guitar playing. And he played a, he played all kinds of crazy guitars. Right. He played Fenders acoustic sometimes Martins Gibson some Gibsons Gibsons yeah so
1: oh we should talk about sorry I didn't mean to interrupt no that's it just right. popped into my head a, another like huge guitar in the country it was the, the J200 oh yeah that was like that was one you could really bling out and that was there was a lot of I'm trying to think of any... Emmylou like Harris. Emily Harris has I love. One, well,
0: I love the fact that she loves those jumbo guitars, man, because they're huge
1: guitars. They, but they sound amazing. They really do. And that was like forever was the guitar that I wanted. Yeah, for, me too. You know, for all throughout the 90s it's like you know J, one day I'm going to get a J200 I thought about I never had a tattoo but if I ever did get a hat tattoo it was either going to be a J200 or a, awesome. um, or a Telecaster and I never got either <laughs> that's one that's awesome but and then I ended up getting a Martin but I still I love them they're, yeah they're I like, associate
0: the J200 with Emmylou Harris because every time I see her pictures or anything she's playing a cool J200 one, yeah, yeah. So I think that's cool that you mentioned that too because that's one of the guitars I was always drawn to too because they're they're kind of blingy but not too blingy. Top of but the they line look country. Just, and
1: they're big oh, yeah,
0: just but they sound amazing. You yeah, strum those things great. and it sounds like a piano,
1: you know? Got to have one of those too. I guess I, you know, I I ended up with um a Martin D18 but you know, I could I there's no reason not to have a J200 and a Hummingbird. I mean, come on and a D28. And so there's no guess, rules
0: against it. Chris. There's not.
1: And this show more than anything else showed me that I need to get out there and get some guitars.
0: <laughs> You're damn
1: right. Yeah, they're like golf clubs, right? Isn't really Yeah.
0: You need a putter, a driver, a chipper and yeah. whatever, wedge, exactly. whatever. But so, no, I'm glad you mentioned that J 200 because, um, yeah, that guitar stood out to me. Um, when I was a kid, I saw those things and I'm like, God, that's such a cool before I even heard one. I probably heard them on recording, but I didn't make the yeah. association, but you see them and they're just beautiful guitars, man. It, and I, yeah, and I knew Lou Harris played those and I'm like, oh, she's cool. She And well, she's got a great voice. She's amazing, but. Um, uh,
1: I think that, I think Keith Richards is playing one in some of the famous photos of him. And um, yeah. Um, what's his face? Graham Parsons. Oh yeah. He has a big that was another one.
0: That was another cool thing that they touched on about Graham Parsons too, and his love for country music. And he got Lou Harris into country music mm-hmm. by making her really focus on these artists he was really into, like. You know George Jones and all these.
1: She's another one that's up there with Johnny Cash. Who's just like like her. You know we are all indebted to her for like her service in country music. Totally like just unwavering her entire. You know her entire career. Just like you know otherworldly like person. Oh yeah. Uh, This was chock full of those types of people though. Really. Yeah,
0: it was, and it's neat to see that, and kind of.
1: Loretta Lynn. Hello. Oh my god. I mean, another fucking.
0: I love it. And Classic. she had a cool guitar with her name on the fretboard, which is awesome. That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. what,
1: what was that? Was that was like I think some sort it, of Gibson? I think of? it
0: was a Gibson actually. Like a J one eighty or yeah, something? I think so. Oh, but I think cool. it was I g I don't think it was a Martin, I think it was a Gibson. But I again that just sticks with me. I love it that they all had to have their name on their freaking fretboard. I mean and, and I wanted that for long like when I was a kid, it's like, God, someday I want to have my I always wanted to have name your on name her. on my guitar too. <laughs> well everybody does. But um I just thought that was so cool, you know. It's like that's that's a pretty custom thing to have your name on
1: your fretboard and right and her story is and not I mean not to give too much away but like her fascinating story oh, yeah. the way she she busted into the scene it's and, insane but you listen to her songs and it's like in the context of history it's like how could she not oh these yeah are fucking amazing A lot, I mean, they're, all they're this just farce. like these songs were just waiting to be written yeah until she came along to just to enter country music and make country music what it is.
0: Well, and the cool thing is they all came from just reality, man. This is uh, my life. I you know, I mean, all of these songs, it, it's folk music and that's what it is. They're writing about their lives. And that's what that's, I think that's what's so uh, alluring and, and, uh, appealing about this music is it's just like it comes from they're just writing about their lives, you know. It's and,
1: and that's true. I mean, that's kind of like probably in the movie, hints at that that's kind of where it started too with folk music and country music. But now, like, the basis for any music I like is has that element to it. I mean, I think like the first replacements record, sorry mom, forgot to take uh-huh. up the trash, is like a perfect folk rock album yeah. or a folk album. Yeah. It's just singing about fucking going to the Store, yeah. and you know, waiting for the bus, and how I hate my school, and that owes its roots to the same kind of stuff. I was like, I'm going to sing. You don't want to hear me sing about like, you know, you don't want to hear me sing about like fucking castles and dragons. Well, <laughs> no, that's for sticks, Rush, which we love. Yeah, you know, to do that, but I'm going to just sing about like being bored Midwest person. Exactly, and it just it contains all those things that I like about country music, and it's any music for me is like that. I mean, yeah. it's just that element. Whether even instrumental music, you can hear the truth in the music. It's like, this is, I'm being, I'm just playing what I've been influenced by. And you're going to be able to tell because of the way it comes out. I love it. And that was, that was kind of instilled in that, in stories like Loretta Lynn's story, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah.
0: And I think that's such a cool, cool correlation too. That's I, I'm the same way. I love, I love authenticity. That's what I'm drawn to. And so like, I'm the same way. Like I love whether it's contemporary music or old music, as long as it's got some truth in it, that's like you pick up on Yeah either it's it's it it's not overt sometimes but it's like oh yeah this sounds fucking gritty it's the truth it's like i can latch on to that three yeah. chords and the truth it it totally <laughs> well other than guitars too i i just i dug all the old mandolins that yeah that were being played they're just beautiful instruments and just um like i said like bill monroe's uh mandolin i think marty stewart talked about
1: that Man, or yeah. oh, um, Ricky Skaggs talked about. And Marty that. Stewart did too, yeah. because he played with him. He yes. played uh, mandolin with him. Yes. And I just, yeah, Marty's stories are great in oh this. Oh my God,
0: uh, I love him, man, and I love his band, and his band is amazing, uh-huh. and he's amazing, and I love, like you were talking about, like he's he's basically the, the custodian for this guitar. He knows that, and but he plays it. That's I love it that he plays the guitar.
1: <laughs> you know, goes out on tour, he plays yeah, it. Yeah, they the, just did the birds thing, and he had it right yeah, up there just. I, Clarence just is looking down so and smiling. Cool. I think and he did so a great cool. job with those Clarence licks on that thing. Oh, he's
0: a badass guitar player. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. But anyway, um, hate him. <laughs> but yeah, but he was. I loved. I, he's been playing since he was a fucking little kid. Like yeah. it is. I, I thought again. Uh, off the topic, but I I thought it was hilarious when he met um, Connie Smith, right? And said I'm gonna Ameri- marry I want to marry her. Something he was like a little kid, yeah. and she, Connie Smith was a grown woman, uh, and he married her eventually. I don't know <laughs> if that's creepy or kind of weird, but anyway, it was kind of interesting. It's but, an interesting story, uh, but like we'd say, you got to watch this documentary if you're a guitar player or, or a lover of instruments, um, music
1: or, or music, or history. Music
0: or history. But for, we decided to t- kind of cover it from guitars. We we kind of delved into other things but um always come back to guitars but for us man it was just so cool to see all these instruments throughout the years and kind of the evolution of them and and just the just the beauty of their sound and and just the aesthetic beauty of them is what i just i can't get enough of it
1: you know what i mean and it's interesting that we haven't been able to top that today no i mean that's where i mean they got it right right off the bat and you might see a little variation on something but everybody Mm -hmm. when they roll out in 2020 to Bring a guitar off the assembly line; it's going to be closer to that than anything that's come yep. since, because it's what it's what we want. It's what sounds good, and they, they got it right.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree.
1: Well, um,
0: awesome. Check us out on all the social media stuff, um, Spotify, <laughs> the things we on, iTunes, all the digital things we're on in this newfangled world. What do you got to say, Chris?
1: No, nothing. Just like I hope that. That played out right. I really dug the series.
0: I think it did. I did too. um,
1: I like talking about it. Yeah. And hopefully, I stuck to guitars enough and not ramble.
0: And chime in, man. We'd love to hear your take on on this documentary and and guitars and all that other jazz too. Um. And whoever's out there listening, thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. Till next time. Bye.
1: Goodbye.